Welcome once again to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for Pastor Chris Danielson. Now today, he's going to take us to the book of 2 Samuel, looking into the life of David. It's the next message in his David series uh, with OFW, Obedience, Faith, and Worship. He's going to be looking into a story that really kind of explains why God considered David a man after his own heart. Heart. Once again, 2 Samuel chapters 16 and chapter 19. Here is Pastor Chris Danielson with God's inspired human forgiveness. We've been in, involved in a series, a big chunk of 2023, and it's called David OFW. The OFW, for those of you who are new to the series, is Obedience, Faith, and Worship. And this message I'm calling Next to Last, Three in One. It's like three messages combined into one because I want to get on to a lot of other stuff in 2024. How many of you so far made a New Year's resolution? You've already broke it. Let me see your hands. Liars. <laughs> oh, I joke. I joke. It's, it's all good. But today, uh, the title of the message is called God Inspired Human Forgiveness. Don't miss that. God-inspired human forgiveness. The text is actually 2 Samuel chapter 19, uh, and we will get, before we get to that, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 16. And so this is going to be more like a Bible study. There's not going to be standing for the read of God, God's word or anything. Just settle in, open your Bibles to 2 Samuel. It's more of a study with a handful of scriptures, and uh, so get comfortable. You know, many have started the through the Bible in a year process. So those of you who do that, when you come through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, you're going to have a lot of David there. And trying to put it all together, you could literally do 50-plus messages on David and his journey. I've seen some pastors take two verses out of what we're going to share with you today and do a whole sermon on it. The passages that I have for you just today, I call it three in one, but it could literally be seven or eight in one. Because our journey through David's life has carried us across high mountain peaks of his success, which was incredible. And then it also through horrible valleys of failure. We have seen David when he was walking with the power of God and when he was wallowing in the depths of his own sin. We have rejoiced with him in his victories, at least I do. And then I, I kind of have sorrow with him in his defeats. For some reason, this guy in the Bible touches my heart in a way where I just, I see myself, I see my brother, I see some of my family members, some of my friends, I see some of you in the life of David. But through all the times of David's life, the one thing that remained constant is David had proven time and time again why God called him a man after his own heart. How can you say David was a man after God's own heart when he was guilty of adultery, deceit, and murder. What we sometimes fail to remember is that David was a good man. He was a godly man, but he was still human. When he excelled, he rose to the top. When he failed, he plummeted to the very bottom. How many can relate to that? But through it all, David was quick to get things straightened out with God. That's the one thing that you never want to forget about David. He was always confronted with his sin. He was the first thing he'd do. His confession was quick, it was sincere, and it was offered in a swift form of repentance. 
David was a man after God's own heart because David was a man who kept short accounts with God, something all of us can learn from. The passages we're going to consider today are one that actually reveals David's heart. He is returning to Jerusalem after the rebellion and death of his son Absalom, which could be a series in and of itself, just that portion of David's life. And as David nears the city, he is met by a man named Shimei. Shimei had wronged David, and if anybody deserved David's hatred, it was this dude, Shimei. But when David came face to face with Shimei, David did not react in anger or malice. David reached out to Shimei with compassion and forgiveness. A human forgiveness that I will point out before the message is over. But today I want to examine the meeting between these two guys. David and Shimei, and I'd like to get a glimpse of David's heart on the occasion, but David's reaction to the verses uh, that we're going to share today kind of gives you a portrait of that human forgiveness. He teaches us all a lesson that we can benefit from. So let's start by observing the elements of David's relationship with Shimei, and point number one today is we got to look at the attack David suffered. We have to look at the attack David suffered. Now, some of you may not know this story at all, and that's why I'm happy to bring it to you today. But those of you who read through your Bible in a year, a lot of times when you get to these passages, you kind of blow right past it. When you think of David, you think of Goliath. When you think of David, you think of Bathsheba. When you think of David, you think of him in the cave with Saul. You know, outside of the Goliath thing, a little bit, we didn't touch any of them in the series, which is, you know, now in double digits. Because there's so much more. And this attack that David suffered is just something I just want to share with you. It's in 2 Samuel 16, 5 through 14. And to understand what's happening in 2 Samuel 19, we must first look at the events that happened several months earlier. Now, on that day, David is attacked by this man named Shimei. And Shimei has these harsh words for the king. And the king's broken now. He's fleeing the city of Jerusalem because his rebellious son Absalom has ascended to the throne of king. So let's examine Shimei's attack. Verse 5, chapter 16, 2 Samuel is where we're going to start. As King David came to Baharim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Girah, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine. You are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zeruiah, demanded. Let me go over and cut off his head. Anybody can relate to Abishai? Verse 10, no, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you son of Jeriah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Verse 11, then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road. And Shimei kept pace with them on the nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. So they rested when they reached the Jordan River. 
Any kind of criticism will make you weary, regardless of who it comes from. I want to show you three things out of this. I want to show you that the words of Shimei were incredibly harsh. It involved straight-up cruel behavior. And it was callous for sure, and it was mostly lies, but there was some truth in there. Let's start with the harsh words. David is leaving the city of Jerusalem in his home. Shimei comes towards David and his men, and as he approaches, Shimei is said to be cursing in verse 5. The word used here is to refer to things that are worthless and vile, disgraced or brought low. It seems that Shimei is reveling in the fact that David has been disgraced and brought down. But that's not all Shimei had to say. He calls him a murderer. Now some translation say that bloody man or son of Belial. The phrase bloody man means murderer. The phrase son of Belial means vain, worthless man. The New Living Translation that I'm using for my scriptures today uses the word scoundrel, which I think is a little bit weak. Vain, worthless man, son of Belial. Shimmy, I keep saying, get out of here, you murderer. Get out of here, you fool, you nobody, you son of Belial, you scoundrel. The words of Shimei must have cut to the heart of David. I mean, we have may, may have had people say hurtful things to us and about us. And when it happens, it hurts. And it makes us angry. So David is attacked by the harshness of words that would bristle anyone. It's straight up cruel behavior. Not only did Shimei, Shimei use words to attack David, but he also used stones. While he's hurling insults against David, Shimei also threw rocks at David. And by the way, Shimei is not alone. It's not one guy on the hillside. It's him and a little clan of his people. Remember, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I know the society needs a safe space, but back in my day, that was the phrase. Well, this dude is doing both at the same time, sticks and stones and words that are meant to hurt him. Another thing to consider is the fact that Shimei is trying his best to publicly humiliate David on his way out of town. It hurts when we're attacked by others, but when people hurl, uh, hurl words in our direction and they do it publicly, or, you know, or even behind our backs, it rips us to the bone, and we are humiliated by the words and deeds of others at times. Ever been there? It was callous for sure, and they were mostly lies, but there was a little truth in there. Isn't that sad when sometimes when people are diming you out and there's a little bit of truth in there and you know it? Because some of what Shimei said was true. David was guilty of murder, though I'm not sure how many people knew it. Regardless, David surely did. And while the murderer bloody man part was true, the rest of the words were straight up lies. David was not a scoundrel or vain and worthless man. He was God's chosen king of Israel. In spite of the failures and the foolishness, he was God's anointed, and therefore he was respected, you know, expected to be respected for that fact alone. Does that make sense? See, David had more integrity than Shimei. When given the opportunity to king, kill King Saul after Saul was trying to kill David, David refused because he said that it was God's anointed. That was respect for God. See, the words of Shimei in verse 8 are nothing but blatant lies. In fact, there's three lies in this verse. Let me point them out to you. Number one, 
that God is getting revenge against David for murdering Saul and his family. That's a lie. Saul committed suicides and his sons were killed in battle. Number two, David, you stole the throne. That's a lie. We started this whole sermon series with Samuel anointing David to eventually be the king of Israel. The throne was given to David by a sovereign act of God. And number three, God has given your throne to Absalom. That is a lie. Absalom took the throne from his father in a complete act of rebellion. Here's the bottom line. Shimei was the son of Belial. Shimei was the scoundrel. Shimei was the vain and worthless man. He was the kind of person who would kick another man when he's down. And here we see David yet again at another lowest point of his life. And his kingdom and family are in shambles. He's an outcast and is on the run again, this time from his own son. And in the midst of it all, here comes Shimei. He finds David at a vulnerable moment and he attacks him. It doesn't get any lower than that. You ever been there? Ever been kicked when you've been down? It hurts, doesn't it? Now David's reaction to Shimei and his attack are worthy of noticing because David's nephew, Abishai, offers to kill Shimei. By the way, Shimei deserved to die. You say, that's harsh. I say, not in that culture, it ain't. Instead of allowing Shimei to be put to death, David responds in an amazing fashion. Check out what he did. He says, leave him alone. Maybe the Lord told him to do this, and maybe he's right. If he is, so be it. I love that. So be it. But if he is wrong, the Lord will work it out in his time and in his way. That takes grace, love, and mercy. That's why David's a man after God's own heart. David may have been at another one of the lowest points of his life, but this is a high watermark in self-control. It teaches us a few lessons as well. What are we supposed to do when we get attacked? Are we supposed to get even? Are we supposed to go after our pound of flesh? When someone hurts us, don't you feel sometimes like you want to hurt them back twice as much? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what Hollywood has taught us for decades? No, many times we are supposed to do just what David did. We can place the matter in the hands of the Lord and leave it with him. Y'all are thinking something in your own life right now. He knows what was said and he knows what was done. He knows. He knows the motive behind the attack and he knows how to settle the score and how it needs to be settled. He knows how to give you grace and get past the hurt. God's design for his children is that we become like Jesus. What does that mean? Let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 23 gives us a little clue. It says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow his steps. He never sinned, nor he deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So the next time we're cursed, attacked, threatened, lied about, what are we supposed to do? Well, we can take the high road and leave it in the hands of God. By the way, if you determine that you're going to be like Jesus, especially in this dark culture, because some of you are really ready to step up your game with Jesus, and you need to in 2024, 
You need to have a tender heart and ready to forgive. And many of us, if you're like me, we need God to give that to us. We need him to remove our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh day by day, issue by issue, incident by incident. And we need to grow skin as thick as a rhinoceros for such a time as this. Now, please understand and don't miss this point. What I'm talking about in teaching is generic in nature. And there is much truth in what I just shared. But know this, there are times when we are called to speak out when we are called to be proactive in our approach. Many have used the sound advice I just gave and they take it out of context and apply it to various situations and claim that to love Christ is to be passive in all situations. This is not true. Don't mistake being a mature, tender-hearted Christian willing to turn the other cheek when you're being insulted and then twist it to mean you must stand down when evil is in your midst. Follow? I'll give you an example. I have been in the presence of some that I consider fairly mature Christians. A lot of the marks of their lives are mature, but they have taken this so far, they've taken this truth and they've twisted it so far that they, they don't understand that there are times when we must speak out and stand firm. Some have gone so far as to say that we should be willing to get shot if there's an active shooter rather than returning fire. And I wrote that line before the incident in Perry, Iowa this week. One went so far as to say, well, if you're going to shoot a aim for the leg and, and then share the gospel with them. Are you serious? I'm more of a center mass guy myself. And I know right now we've got a bunch of weapons in this room and I praise God for it. If there's an active shooter comes through that back door, $20 for the first one that gets him. That was not in my notes. That was too far. Sorry. <laughs> Look, there is a proper time when you and I must confront evil. Don't miss that in this message today. But also don't miss the really wise lesson David teaches us in these kinds of matters with these kinds of offenses. If you don't and you let that hurt fester, into something worse and far more dangerous. You, Christian brother and sister, be diligent in handling these matters the right way, or that offense will grow to resentment. That resentment is a short step from hatred. That hatred produces bitterness, and then bitterness will find a way to seek revenge. That's the journey. It's like wise to place our hurts in the hands of the Lord and then walk away from them. He can handle the matter far better than we can. Point number two, and that's our text for today. We're getting to it. The confession David received. The confession David received. 2 Samuel 19, 16 through 20. Now, before we get to the text, remember, months have now passed. The rebellion of Absalom has been quashed. David's now returning home. He and his men are gonna cross the Jordan and several people are gathering to meet the returning king. He's coming back victorious, back to Jerusalem. Among the people that come to meet him is old Shimei and 1,000 of his men. Let's take a look at what happened the second time these guys meet. 2 Samuel 19, 16 through 20. Shimei, son of Gera, the man of Barim and Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. 
A thousand other men from the tribe of Benjamin were with him, including Ziba, the chief servant of the house of Saul, and Ziba's 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed down to the Jordan to meet the king. They crossed the shallows of the Jordan to bring the king's household across the river, helping him in every way that they could. Now, David's not riding back with a couple guys. I mean, his household is, you know, four or 500 people, right? I mean, it's a caravan. You follow? Second part of verse 18. As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My lord, the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I have sinned. That is why I've come here today. The very first person in all of Israel to greet the Lord, my king. I'm just letting the smugness settle in. Notice three things here. This is a whole other full sermon that we're condensing into one point for you today. The confession was humble. The confession was honest. And the confession was hopeful. Let's start with humble. When Shimei comes before David, he falls at his feet in humility. This is a far different attitude than he displayed the last time his path crossed David's. Perhaps Shimei has had time to contemplate his mistakes. The confession was honest. Shimei said the three hardest words known to mankind, I have sinned. He made a full and complete confession of his wrong and his attack on David. And his confession was hopeful. Shimei hopes that David won't hold the past against him. He seems genuinely sorry for what he has done and is hopeful that David will offer him forgiveness. Did it take a real man to do what Shimei did? Now there are debates among Bible people as to whether his confession was sincere or whether it was just an attempt to save his hide. We cannot know his heart or his motives, but it seems to me that we should just take the account at face value, which is what I just did for you. After all, the Holy Spirit does not call his confession into question. I see it as more self-preservation. That's the way my mind works with the neighborhood I grew up in, but especially with all of his men kissing up to the household of David. But it's a real confession. So... Now, before we look at David's response to Shimei, I think we should take a moment to find out what of that speaks to our hearts. The truth is we've all been hurt. But the sadder truth is that we've all been on the other side too. Are you ever guilty of maybe speaking out of turn? Talking about somebody else, doing hurtful things? You ever lied about somebody else? See, when life finds us in that position, especially after we've surrendered our lives to Christ, the guilt can become overwhelming. What are you supposed to do? Same thing Shimmy, I did. Go to the person and confess and repent. That's a clear teaching of the Bible in Matthew 5 and James 5. That's for another day. So let's go on and let's see what David actually said. It's the next couple of verses. But it's point number three. I call it the amnesty David supplied. The amnesty that David supplied. It's in chapter 19, verses 21 through 23. And it's the next part of our text. And it says this. Then Abishiah, son of Zariah, said, Shimei should die, for he cursed the Lord's anointed king. Who doesn't love Abishiah? <laughs> I love David's response to him. Who asked you your opinion, you sons of Zariah? David exclaimed, 
Why have you become my adversary today? This is not the day for execution. For today I am once again the king of Israel. David understood what day it was. Verse 23, then turning to Shimei, David vowed, your life will be spared. When David hears this, he responds to Shimei in grace and not in retaliation. I want you to notice what David did in this moment of time. What he did is a lesson to those of us who've gotten hurt from others. It's what David prevented, what David perceived, and what David promised. Again, Abishai wants to kill Shimei, but David prevents his nephew from killing the humble man. In other words, David stood as a protector of the very person who had wronged him. Prevention, that's grace. What, what did David perceive? David knew that this was the day of rejoicing and a day of forgiveness. He also perceived that it was a day of grace in his own life. He was going to be king again. He was returning to glory to the throne that God had given him. And it was only so because God had forgiven him and given him grace and not what he actually deserved, if you follow the whole story. And this is what David promised. David promised forgiveness and amnesty to Shimei. Why? It had not been many days since David himself had sinned against Uriah, Bathsheba, the nation of Israel, and God of heaven. When David had bowed before the Lord and confessed his sin, God had freely forgiven him. Do you know that feeling? I know that feeling. I want that feeling every Sunday when I come and worship him. Now David extends that same grace to the one who had wronged him greatly. We forgive most of us because we've been so much forgiven greatly. Like in Matthew 18, this is a little sidebar. Servant gets forgiven about $5 million and then goes out and chokes his fellow servant for 20 bucks. The king hears about it, throws him in jail. That's in Matthew 18. Check it out sometime. See, David's response to Shimei demonstrates what our own response should be when we are faced with an opportunity to forgive. First, we need to remember that even at our very best, none of us are perfect. We've all sinned against God and others. Still, we have been forgiven many, 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 many times. So we have the responsibility to forgive others when they sin against us. And sometimes that bites on the front end. But I've never forgiven somebody, even when it was struggling against my will and God just pulled me to forgive them, that on the other end I didn't see the peace and glory of Jesus revealed in that forgiveness. Second, just as we should be quick to forgive, we should learn to express that forgiveness. When something happens and we pray about the matter and leave it in the Lord, often the offending party needs to know that they have been forgiven. Now that doesn't mean you go up to somebody who's offended you and just open the dialogue by saying, I'm going to forgive you. No. But if there's ever a chance, you should take it. We need to reach back if those reach out to us. If someone hurts us and they don't deal with it, can we hold the grudge then? Is it all right to be angry with them until they come around and, and maybe beg for our forgiveness? Not biblically. Regardless of what they say about us or do to us, we should have the same spirit Jesus displayed when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's in Luke, 7, or Luke 23 if you're interested. See, there's a good example of this kind of forgiveness and it's from a, a Bible teacher I don't know him, so I'm not going to say his name. Because as soon as I quote him, if he turns out to be a whack job, then it's like I endorsed him. I don't know this guy, but he said this. You ready? 
He said, some years ago, a fashionably dressed woman came to my study, very distressed. She had made a commitment to the Lord a few days earlier, but had asked to see me because something was troubling her. She poured out an unpleasant story concerning an affair she had been having with one of her husband's friends. Then she insisted that her husband should know and that I should tell him. Well, that's the joy of being a pastor right there. That was a new experience for me. After some discussion with the woman, I called the husband. When he arrived at the study, I told him what had happened. Turning to his tearful and fearful wife, he said, I love you and forgive you. Let's make a new start. Many things had to be straightened out and much hurt had to be healed. But his response of forgiveness made possible by his own understanding of the forgiveness of God became basis of a new joy and a new life. Al and Lisa Robertson have that same story. And when Lisa stepped out, even Willie came to Al and said, get rid of her. And the Spirit of God came on Al and said, no, this is the one you're supposed to love. And they have such a great relationship and they speak on marriage, they speak at um, uh, pregnancy centers and stuff all over the country and they're coming here at the end of the month. By the way, they're not coming here because I guilted them into coming here. They're coming here because I told him, I said, Al, God's been doing some stuff. And he goes, I want to come and see it. Why? Because forgiveness does that. Forgiveness takes you to a place you can't imagine. And I believe that people that have gone through what Al and Lisa have gone through and what this couple that I just shared with you have gone through, I believe that there's a supernatural grace that happens that I can't comprehend myself apart from just being immersed into the will of God. Now let me share this before I close. David may have forgiven Shimei, but David did not forget. This whole idea of forgive and forget, that comes from God. Human forgiveness, sometimes we don't forget. Most of the times we don't forget. And many times it's good not to forget. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Did you know that David's last request before he dies, on his deathbed, he commands Solomon to be sure that Shimei pays for the evil that he did? It's in 1 Kings chapter 2, 8 and 9. I'm going to show it to you. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And remember, Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Barim in Benjamin, he cursed me with a terrible curse when I was fleeing to Mahanam. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, I swore by the Lord I would not kill him. But oath does not make him innocent. See, David had taken an oath. He wasn't going to kill him. You are a wise man, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. The literal Hebrew that David spoke to Solomon says, how to bring his white head down to Sheol in blood. That is not take care of him if you can. That's my son. You take care of this for me. I made an oath I wouldn't, but he's still going to die. And he does. In verses 36 through 47 of the same chapter, you can look, at, look it up for yourself. Solomon carries out the command. David's forgiveness was not perfect, was it? David's forgiveness was a human forgiveness, but it still served God's purpose. And so that leads me to my final thought. Aren't you glad that God does not forgive like man does? 
When God forgives, he also forgets. Thank God that is a truth sounded over and over and over and over again in the Bible. I've got like 10 different scripture verses here, and I'll go through it tomorrow Monday at 12.10 on the scripture dig with anybody that wants to show up. It takes effort, it takes grace, and it may take all that we have, but we should strive to give forgiveness to the same level that we have received forgiveness. No wonder the disciples asked the Lord to increase their faith in Luke 17. So how are you doing in the area of forgiveness? Are you practicing the kind of forgiveness that pleases the Lord? Or are you in the business of holding grudges and getting even? If there's a hurt that needs to be forgiven, this would be a good time to deal with it. If you are the offending party, it would be a good time to seek out the other person and just say, hey, I'm sorry. We should seek to forgive to the same level we have been forgiven. I've been forgiven mountains. I need to seek like mountains. And then we should strive to keep short accounts with our fellow man. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the prince and power of the air, the spiritual battle that's going on. So let me condense the message down to two statements and then I'm done. When we are wrong, we need to admit it. When we have been wronged, we need to forgive it. And then commit that memory to the Lord as best as we can. When someone says, you must forgive and forget, they're not looking at it through the lens of God through the human form. I don't think God expects us to forget like he forgets. In him we can forget. But when we have been wrong, we need to admit it. And when we have been wronged, we need to forgive it and give that memory to the Lord as best as we can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children. Lord, let us leave here with a more enlarged heart full of your goodness and mercy that comes from the incredible amount of forgiveness that we've been given. And it's this redemption and eternal life that you offer us freely that gets us so excited. And it's through that lens I'm able to forgive others who have wronged me. And I can only do it with your help, day by day, hour by hour. We thank you so much, Lord, for the peace that you're giving us in the middle of these dark times. May you strengthen this body of believers to rally together and to stand firm. We love you and praise you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at freshroadmedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from freshroadmedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.